everybody, and welcome back to the show, Amy Weber Unleashed. I am your host, Amy Weber. I'm not sick. I was around a lot of cigarettes, therefore I have a, a sex phone operator voice today. Enjoy. You should have picked a better place to stay. <laughs> You're right. You should have done your homework. I know. Well, every time I come to Vegas, I just, I try different hotels, sure. and I, I've stayed almost everywhere. I don't want to throw these people under the bus because I'm a member, but... One of their hotels is very unsavory, and I would not recommend it. Do you it. have a favorite? I mean, look, Bellagio is so beautiful, but it's super romantic. So if I come here without my husband, it does just feel like a little bit... Okay, so what's the second favorite that's like not super romantic? Well, John O'Shea tried Red Rock, which I've stayed okay, at yeah. before, which is pretty cool. Actually, yeah, it is. It's nice, right? Red Rock, Red Rock is nice. My favorite when I used to not live here... Uh, Cosmopolitan as Co well. Oh, yeah, because I just great. like I just like the balcony view of the strip yeah. and the night. Like you know, I'm not part. I don't like the nightlife, but I like watching it from afar because right. it's the beautiful lights and just the the energy and the chaos and yeah. It's just sometimes you know fun to watch. No, it is. Yeah, I'm not part of it either. I mean, people go like, oh, what do you do when you get there? I'm like, I do my podcast and I go back to my room and I <laughs> just work. Just simple. I work and uh, I order room service. And so yeah, the hotel I, that they put me in, they had no room service. And um, no water, just nothing. It's, I know I'm like, I sound like I'm a baby. I'm a really simple person. I was raised on a farm. I used to be up at, you know, three in the morning, till in the fields. Trust Sounds me. like my kind of schedule. Yeah. But, and I'm not like high maintenance, just, I don't think water well, is, basic water is just a basic human requirement. I actually didn't know, they don't, they don't give water? I didn't realize no, that. No, oh, there's that no sucks. water, yeah. And then when I moved to the other hotel, it was funny because the, the woman said, um, well, be careful, don't, it's weighted, don't you take that water? I'm like, oh, why? God. And she's like, it's like, it's like $7 for a bottle of water. I'm like, look at this point, woman, I'd pay a hundred. I don't care, I am parched. I've been standing in this line, yeah, anyway, so, all right, enough about me. I. Thank you for coming on my show. No, thanks for having me. This is uh, obviously the first time we've met and totally unexpected. Yeah. And are you, you're Armenian? No, I'm Persian. Oh, you are Persian. Yeah. Were you born in the U.S.? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Born in Tarzana. Really? And uh, yeah, I'm the only person from my entire family tree from both sides that's, that was born here. Everyone else wow. was born back uh, Middle East. It's so funny because you have an, I'm, my husband's Armenian. And I have an I A N last name, legal. Uh huh. But you I have. Think, I think usually when, because like, Armenians don't have Z's in the middle of their name, and that's I think right. that's where the difference. Uh, the difference, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's no there's no bloodline in in Armenian at all for for me. It's just. Wow. Yeah. Have you gone back to see? Oh, it's been so long. Yeah. Um, because it's obviously the country's gotten worse and worse and worse over yeah. the years, and obviously with, uh, you know, random wars and violence and all the stuff, it's just not a good time. Um, and then you know, depending on where your age bracket is. Uh, if you go, if you go out there, um, if your parents are citizens there, and you go out there, they can force you into the army. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's. I haven't been back there since. I went there twice. I went there when I was like eight, and I went when I was twelve, and then never went back. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I know we haven't gone to Armenia yet. I want my kids. Obviously. Never. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Not yet. Um, was your husband born there or? Uh, no. He was born in Glendale. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Armo Town. That is Armo Town. <laughs> I know. I know wow. Armo. Um, but he, I don't know. I, it was interesting. When I met my husband, um, look, I'm from a farm in Illinois, and we don't have a lot of diversity there. Two different worlds. Way different. And so when I moved to California and I, I met my husband, I don't think I had met an Armenian. Like, I didn't know anything about the culture. I didn't... It was a steep learning curve. It's so funny because, like, you know, there's, you know, in my past when I dated, 
one or two people randomly have both said like I've never met a Persian before. I'm like, how the hell have you never met a Persian before? They probably have. They just didn't know. Same, right? right same same yeah. thing. But it's like you've. It's hard to not realize like can you not identify that you've met somebody of right. a different culture? But eh, it's it's interesting to hear that. And then are your parents strict as far as who you date? No, uh, they used to be. Okay. Um, they wanted you to find a nice Persian girl. Yeah, and I was like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, not in a million years. <laughs> um, tried it once, dated, lasted about seven days, and I was like, I'm out. I'm not yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, no, but they are pretty hardcore when it comes to uh, certain traditional values. Okay. Um, I'm still like that too. Like my dad has always been um, very like mafioso type. Mm. Um, this is how it is. This is life. This is family values. Defend your loved ones. Those that aren't there, no one gives a shit. Let them go. Yeah. And uh, protect them at all costs, no matter what you have to do. Okay, those are good values. Yeah. Um, But really sticks to him. I mean, he's 80 years old and he still sticks to him to this day where like people talk about it, but they're not about it. Okay. My dad's uh, pretty, he's hardcore about it. Yeah. I don't, I I don't know if you know my history, but. Just a little bit from what our friend told us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not to say I don't have any values because I have my own set of values, sure. but you know, I just, you know, cause my dad was such a raging alcoholic and was so abusive when I was a kid that, you know, for him, it was just, he was always right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, he, so my, I just had such a skewed set of like, I don't even know what's right. Cause you know, no matter what he's right and you can't argue with him about it. And Um, you know, you could obviously lying is, was the worst thing I could ever do because that was it. Like I was going to end up in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the hospital if I lie. What's, um, what's your dad's cultural background? Does he have one or? Yeah. He is a German Hungarian. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Right. And not that all Germans are bad. No, no, but but I mean like, how old is your father? I, I don't know. Oh. I mean, he's probably, he's in his, we don't talk okay, I figured. Yeah, I had to make a, I just had to make a, a break. Yeah, absolutely. I, I try. I really tried, and I say this a lot, I tried with everything, every fiber in my body to have some type of healthy relationship. Um, I took the high road. I tried to pay them off. I don't know. I tried to buy them a bunch of stuff thinking that then, you know, they would say, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or I'm sorry, whatever it was, or take responsibility, and that just never happened. So... The manipulation was still there. I never, I stopped fearing him when I moved out. And then I just How got old were like, you when you moved out? Uh, 16. Oh, you moved out early. Okay. Yeah, 16. I had to get out. Okay. I just couldn't. It was couldn't. that bad, huh? Yeah, it was bad. Violent. <clears throat> it was really bad. Was your dad um, like old school traditional type German? I mean, he just was... Uh, He's like a ladies man. He's a really good looking guy. He's like a ladies man. Then I had my mom who was super insecure and he didn't help with, you know, his antics. I don't know if he was running around behind her back. I don't know what he was doing, but um, he just was a pretty decent, funny guy. Everyone liked him. But then when he drank, which was often, he was just a fucking monster. Yeah. I can't explain it. And then I always say like, you know, every book I read, I've read a million books trying to kind of get myself straight and get my mind, you know, mentally to a place that I thought was really healthy. You know, they say that I guess part of the reason why I had such a difficulty is that he had glimmering like moments of maybe being a father. Right. Okay. So if he had been like a hundred percent monster, a hundred percent of the time, it just would have been easier on me. Mentally. Sure. You would have been like, like, you know what? There's no hope here. There's no hope. And it wasn't my fault. Right. Right. But 
Instead, it was, it was my fault. Had I been, even though it was like straight A, honor roll, won the spelling bee, um, <laughs> you know, got a hundred SSAT. It's like I aced them a hundred percent. Like I did everything just out of fear. Right. Right. And, and everyone's like, oh, you know, you have to be good at everything. I'm like, you don't even, people didn't no know idea. what was happening in my house. Well, yeah, you don't have to tell them. And I, and I understand that because my, my father, um, he was somewhat of an alcoholic, um, but that didn't last long once I was, uh, once I was able to walk and kind of play sports or whatnot. So I, you know, my dad was an alcoholic up until I was like five or six years old. And then he kind of tossed that. Uh, but my dad was just naturally an extremely violent man. It's like, it's like my dad, um, uh, my dad grew up in a violent home. Um, from what my mom told me, his dad used to beat the shit out of him and his brothers all the time. Yeah. Him and his brothers used to fight all the time. And then that just kind of trickled down. And then when my dad would tie in the values, tradition, and then his violence, I mean, it was a whole nother level. I mean, like my dad, my dad has beat me to a pulp. My dad's put my face in the ground. My dad has, um, I said this in our last podcast, my dad, I was six years old and I'm in the bathroom taking a shit and my dad cracks me in the head just because, yeah. um, you know, cause you know, violence to him was, it was almost like it was fun for him, but I know it was more uncontrollable. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just because, um, he never, well, no, not, I think I know for sure. Like he never worked through it. He just kind of went around it and just used that as his way of survival. Yeah. And so if at any given point he felt threatened or disrespected by family, uh, mostly me, my, my sister above me kind of got it a bit too. Yeah. Um, his, his resolution was very heavy acts of violence. Wow. This um, is crazy. Yeah. So I, I understand. And there was nothing that you could do or say that would change that. There was nothing to try to figure out. And, you know, as my father got older, um, much older than he kind of started to, did he calm down? Yeah. Significantly. I mean, yeah. it took, uh, I had to distance myself from, I want to say like around for four years in my in my mid twenties, I disappeared from him. Like yeah. I had no contact, no communication. He had called me every single day, and I was just like, I'm not talking to this guy anymore. Um, and then uh, a family friend ran into me at the gym. Then that gets back to my dad. Then she sees me like a week later. Says your dad misses you. Blah blah blah. And you should talk to him. He's your father. He loves you. And I was like, no, fuck my father. Like, he's a piece of shit. Good man, but a bad father. Yeah. And I have no, I have no inclination of wanting to speak to him again because he just denies almost everything that he's ever done. And she's like, you oh, can't. Oh, he didn't. He, was, he wasn't taking accountability. No. And yeah, mine neither. Yeah. And he was just, and she was like, you can't speak to your father that way. You can't speak about your father that way. And I'm like, listen, I don't fucking know you at all. It's been years since you and I have spoken. I know you're a friend of the families, but you're a friend of the family's, not mine. You have no idea what I went through with my dad. You have no idea what he did. Yeah. I'm like, so I would mind your own business or this conversation can get ugly real fast. Um, and I was like, and if anything, you might want to mind your own business because you don't know what you're talking about. You're hearing my dad's side. You haven't even heard my side and you're automatically telling me that I can't speak about my father that way. Right. So, um, and then after, you know, some more time went by, my dad shows up at the gym. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I've been trying to reach you for four years. And I was like, a little less than that, but close to it. And I was like, yeah, and there's a reason for that. Um, so we stepped outside. We had a small conversation. And um, we went out to lunch another day. I called him. And then it just kind of slowly started to... Like dissipate? Yeah. My dad, um, he realized 
I mean, still to this day, if I was to have a conversation with him about what he did, he'll be like, I've never beaten you. I've never done that. He's like, he's like, if anything, if I've ever put my hands on you, it's to toughen you up and make you stronger. And I'm like, do you not remember the black eye you gave me? Do you not remember when you put my head in the floor? Like, do you not remember anything? Do you remember when you knocked me out cold? And he's like, I've never done anything. I'm like, all right. I was like, well, we just won't discuss this topic if we're going to even try to establish a new relationship at this point. Wow. Um, and then, uh, you know, my, my older brother, I have my whole all right arm is tattooed. It's all about my brother. And uh, he passed away. And so my for my dad, I kind of realized the type of pain that he was going through after we went to lunch. And um, he already lost one son. And um, he has no relationship with my sister. Um, and I don't think he really cares like he used to because she's got her own issues. Um, but with me, I was like, you know what? My dad's been trying for years on end, every single day, calls, emails. Like, talk to me. I mean, dad, like, I love you. Let's have a conversation. I'm like, you know what? Let me give this man a chance. He's he's relentlessly been at it for the last, you know, four years and I've given him no contact. That at least means something that he's still been trying. So yeah. you know, I just I just keep him at an arm's distance at this point. We'll talk sometimes, we won't. If I ever go back to LA, like I said, it's been a couple of years since the pandemic started. I haven't gone back. But when I do, I'll go see my dad, we'll grab lunch, I'll go see my mom, we'll go we'll go to lunch. But um as far as for me, like my blood goes, um, None of my blood do I hold close to me. Yeah. So you have boundaries. You've set boundaries. Heavy boundaries. With your dad. Heavy, yeah. heavy boundaries. With everybody. I mean, it's just like, it's amazing to me that you, even without him acknowledging what he did, that you're able to, I mean, you're a, you're a bigger man than me, regardless of physically, <laughs> but even just mentally, you're just a bigger person than I am. I, I don't know. Like, I always think, so sad. I, th- I think the thing that gets me is like, I don't miss them. I mean, I miss that I didn't have a dad. I didn't really have like a mom, but I just wonder like when I get that call that they're dead, like you're going to hurt. Uh, yeah. You're going to hurt. You're going to cry. Um, you're going to be sad that you never got a chance to establish a relationship. And at the same time, you're going to be sad and cry from being angry at him for never getting better. Yeah. Um, you're going to have mix of both emotions and you're going to stand over his grave and you're going to be like, I fucking wish we had a chance, a real yeah. chance. So, um, and for me, it's like, look, okay, it happened, right? I mean, my dad broke so many bones in me. Sure. Um, it was just, uh, I remember one time I was, you know, trying to get up the stairs and, you know, crawl away from him as fast as I could. And he had these, you know, steel pointed boots on and he kicked me so hard that I thought I probably wouldn't even be able to have kids. Oh. Yeah. That's okay. where he landed. And really? it, it was pretty, wow. yeah, it was really bad. Um, Do you have kids now? I do. Okay. By the grace of God and modern medicine, I have twins. Okay. Oh, really? How yeah. old? They're twelve. Oh wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Boys, yeah. girls. I have both. one of each. Oh no shit! <laughs> one of each. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they. Uh, it, for me, it's just accountability. That's it, right? Okay. So he was an alcoholic, and you know, I know his dad. Same thing. The, the circle. He didn't break that circle, and his dad beat him, and the whole thing. But it's like, just say, like. I did this and I was wrong. Don't say it never happened because then that makes people like us feel like we're batshit crazy. Like, like for me, I go, if, if it wasn't for my sister, I would think I imagined all of this. Really? I have the scars and I remember being in the hospital, but it's like, I would truly think like, wow, you're nuts. That's bad trauma. Yeah. That's PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. That sucks. Yeah. I, um, I got to a point for me, um, 
because I I had no childhood really. Like I had zero childhood from from being young to my teens, between abuse from both my parents, my sister, and then I got into drugs, heavy addiction, attempted suicide, and then um, right before I turned twenty one, I was like, I need to give myself a chance at life. Yeah. And um, that whole time, so with with my dad, uh, it got to a point where. I was sick and tired of the physical abuse, and I was loaded too. Um, I was 16, I believe it was, and um, I come home. I'm high as a kite on whatever you could imagine. Yeah. And uh, my dad starts messing with me, and he starts trying to fight me, and I just snapped. Um, And I was like, I've just fucking had it. So I got off the couch. Well, first I pushed him. While I'm laying on the couch, he starts to mess with me. I pushed him hard enough where he fell into the wall. Then he comes at me. And he's trying to foot stop my face oh while my I'm laying God. on the couch and I move. And then next thing I know, we're in this, we're facing off. Yeah. And we get in a fight, we battle it out. Um, and I had just enough rage in me, because my dad was definitely stronger than me at that time. Um, but I had enough rage in me to overpower it. Yeah. And eventually like I got him down to the floor and I flipped the glass table over him. Um, and then I threatened him and I was like, if you ever fucking touch me again, you're not going to live. I'm going to fucking put you in the floor and I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And I'm leaving right now. Don't follow me or I'll kill you on the street too. And I just left. And then 10 minutes later, I just went for a long walk. And my dad gets in his car, follows me down, tells me to get wow. in the car. And I'm like, you got balls, man, because right now you're not my dad. You're a stranger who I'm going to defend myself for my life. Wow. And uh, he gets out of the car and he just kind of, it was almost like that moment he had this weird revelation of like, I can't touch my son anymore. And from that day forward, he never put his hands on me. He never even attempted to put his hands on me anymore. Um, but our relationship was always weird. I yeah. still loved him because again, being coming from a Middle Eastern culture, yeah. um, I loved him. I still respected him regardless of him being a shitty dad. Um, and I also defended him too because a lot of family members, I mean, they knew what was going on, but they talked shit about him. And I was, and regardless of what I was going through, I didn't let anyone talk shit about my dad. Really? Yeah, no one. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't stand for it. Um, I even had one of my mom's uh, brothers talk shit about my dad to my face in front of my mom. And I looked at him and I was like, if you ever fucking talk shit about my dad again, you're going off the balcony. And I'm not even going to hesitate. So I dare you to fucking talk shit. And my mom looks at me and says, you have no right to talk about your uncle that way. And I was like, he has no right to talk shit about my dad. That's oh my, my dad. That's my problem. Right. That's not their problems. I have to deal with it. And he's still my father. So only I have a right to talk shit about my dad. Not you, not this motherfucker, no one. Yeah. And I'm like, if you guys want to try me, I'm willing to go to town right now. Yeah. And then that was the end of the conversation. And no one ever talked bad about my dad again after that. And like I said, eventually as time went on, um, I grew up, I got older, I forgave him. I've never forgotten, but I forgave him for yeah. sure because I didn't want to carry that burden and that pain yeah. anymore. Because it hurts you more than it hurts Yeah, you and the thing is, like, I, I learned to use it as extreme fuel. Like, it, it, it turned me into a very, very disciplined-focused individual. Right. Um, because once I started to realize, like, I had no childhood from abuse to drugs, I was like, man, like, let me at least take some of the things that I learned and watched my father do as a man. Yeah. And apply that, remove all the shitty things about him. And because I was young and was aware of all the bad qualities, I knew not to make sure I adapt, adopted those. Right. And, um, and then my life took off from there. I just realized, like, you know what? Life's too short. And, you know, my sister to this day still says everything is dad's fault. And she's, um, <laughs> I'm throwing her under the bus, but whatever. Um, she's, she's a psychologist with a PhD. And she wow. still, like, blames him and, and says whatever about him. And we haven't talked in, in years now at this point. But um, for me... It's either play the blame game, right? Um, 
or use it as fuel on why and how I should become successful. And the thing is, like a lot of those things that I went through, I use today to help out other people. Right. Yeah, um, no, same. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, for me, blame. Um, look, we all have our path, right? And I guess some people probably had the white picket fence and the super cheery, you know, childhood, and they're still going to end up doing drugs or whatever they're going to do. So it's all about choices, right? Choices in life. And so, um, yeah, look, I, I, I've forgiven my parents in so much that I can. Um, more than anything, it's just I longed for someone to say, I'm proud of you, I love you, or even hug me, right? The neglect was almost as bad as the abuse. And you're more referring to from your parents. Yes. Got it. Yes. And so, um, and so, you know, I guess in a way I also just used it to say no matter what, I'm going to be so fucking successful like at all costs, I'm going to be up before anybody else. I'm going to go to sleep after, right? Everybody else, I am going to hustle until there's like, like there's no tomorrow. And people are just like, oh my God, you're a machine. But you know, I know in the back of my mind, probably not super healthy because I had a chip on my shoulder and I had something to prove that regardless of what you people did or didn't do or didn't give me, I'm still going to basically pursue my dreams. I'm going to be at the top. No matter what I do, I will always be the best at it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a chip on your shoulder. It's more of like, um, it was a compelling reason to do something with yourself so that you don't have to be at their beck and call. Yeah. Um, independence. And, yeah. Like raw independence where you'll never have to call mom and dad for anything ever again. And I, yeah. and I totally understand that cause that's, that's how I was. And, um, like I said, most people, I, I like when people refer to me as a machine because I do feel like um, to get to certain places, you do have to become robotic, even though people don't want to admit that. Right. I know everyone that's ever been, uh, everyone that's like at extreme high level successes, at some point in the pinnacle of their careers, they were machines, they were robotic. It was structure, routine, execution, right. every single day, you know, being- Yeah, but robotic in the way of not just like, uh, you're just passively kind of letting life pass you by. You have, you write your goals down and you have your intentions and you execute, execute, yeah, like execute you're, you're, robotically. You're, 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 you're shooting for everything you want in the future and at the same time being present simultaneously because to be present is gonna require a certain level of execution for that for that future. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, and that's kind of what I did too. In the last few years, like I'm kind of on the schedule. Like I go to bed at 10, I wake up at two, sometimes I go to bed at 11, yeah. um, but the wake up time is non-negotiable. I love that. We ta I, I know before we started, we kind of had a conversation where I heard you over talking to John about being alone, because that's really important to me. When I wake up, how I start my day mentally will affect not just me, but every single person that I come into contact with. So talk talk me through your morning routine. My morning routine, I mean, yeah, my alone, solitude is by far my favorite thing on the planet. Me too. Everything, like more than a relationship, more than, this is hard to say, but it's more important to me than, than time with my animals, even though they are my... They are my tranquility. They are my yeah. peace. Um, but my solitude is everything. So I wake up in the morning at two. Um, the first hour um, is all self-reflection, um, personal growth time, read, reflect on the previous days, reflect on today, reflect on tomorrow, um, dig in deep, make yeah. sure I'm not still holding on to anything that happened maybe a week ago or a few years ago. Like I'll go far. Yeah. Um, and I'll even, I'll even force emotions to come out to make sure that I'm not carrying them. 
Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hard because again, because of how intense my, my childhood was, I refuse to allow to have any of that weight ever to come back again. So mm -hmm. I actually work on that stuff still to this day, day to day. Um, you know, so the first hour, that's what I work on. And the next 30 minutes, I slowly start getting ready. I take care of some client stuff, get my food ready. At 3.30, I jump in the car, drive to the gym. Um, and uh, in that 30-minute drive, I'm eating and I'm doing more self-reflection, maybe listen to some, uh, listening to some classic, yeah, uh, classical, I'm sorry. And I just, you know, um, prepare my mind at that point for the day. So uh, then I go to the gym, done around... 5.30, drive back, and then my morning starts. The second I get in the car to come back home, the day starts, whether it's text, emails, calls. Um, sometimes I got to get on calls with uh, Australia. Yeah. And then the day, the day goes at that point. But by the time most people wake up and get started, I've already completed a whole Half day. Half your day. Yeah, most of your I, day I've completed a whole day. Because, of, because the amount of work, the thing is like in 30 minutes of quiet time, so from like 3 to 3.30, when it's absolutely quiet, yeah. everyone's asleep, I can knock out about four hours of work in 30 minutes because there's zero disruption. Right. And Dogs the energy is clean. clean. I know. There's zero disruption. Yeah. Everyone's asleep. No text messages I have to go back and forth with. It's take care of everything, blast away, and then take off. Yeah. And the same thing until the day gets started. So um, in, in the last podcast, I was talking about how my whole process of thinking is getting three days done in a single day. So I, I kind of divide them up into mini days. Okay. Because um, like I said, I only sleep four hours a night. So... Um, you know, six, seven hours of work in a day is average, right? So if I'm doing three of those, then by the end of the week, I've done, you know, 20, 21 hours of work. Right. That catapults me ahead into the future. So by the time one year goes by, I've done over two years worth of work. Yeah. And um, that's, I'm, I'm pretty relentless with it. And then the same thing at nighttime. Nighttime, um, my evening starts to slow down at around, I slow it down at nine o'clock. I shut everything off. Every now and then certain clients I'll be in touch with in case they need something from me. But nine o'clock, back to just quiet time, dogs, eat a little more and just kind of reflect a little bit more on the day, go over my schedule, um, my prayers of gratitude, the people that I'm blessed to have in my life, uh, the ones that have my back, the ones that I have, whose backs I have. Um, and then I start mentally preparing for the next day. Yeah. Um, look at the schedule, go to bed, um, you know, again, lay down, go over my affirmations one more time, wake up and I'm ready to rock and roll again. But can you imagine if just even half of the people, just in the U.S., half of the people did half of the self-reflecting that you did? What a different space we would be in. I think the whole world of, the whole, the whole spectrum of mental health would be in a completely better place. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of my, that's one of, that's like, in my core it, yeah. it is mental health and helping people out with that with that stuff, whether it's addiction, alcohol, um, depression, suicide, uh, whatever kind of fucked up upbringing. Because you know, most people don't know how to get through mental health. Most people don't want to talk to a therapist. Right. And um, not to put it on blast, but I've already been in enough wars with with therapists. But I don't believe in therapy. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't believe in seeing a therapist if the therapist you're going to see, if you're like a drug addict and you're right. trying to get clean, I don't believe in seeing a therapist if they haven't been through that. Right. Because they what, can't relate. No, what they've no read idea. in the books has, they're not going to be able to, relate. there's no way that they can sit there and tell me, I understand right. what you're going through. If you've never done drugs, how could you possibly remotely even have like a fraction of an understanding? Unless, and the only exception, there's a doctor, he's a psychiatrist, Dr. Amen, he's revered by the whole psychiatry world. 
Um, he's never been an addict, but what he does to go see him, it's, it's a cash business. To go see him, you have to go get an actual brain scan done. Okay. Not a CT scan, like a scan of your actual brain. Wow, like the theta waves, all the different Oh, ways. yeah, see what the hell's mm-hmm. going on, where the activities are, where the holes are. Like, mm-hmm. he looks for everything, and he has a full three-dimensional view of what's happening in a brain, and then he can actually truly try to understand what's going on with, like, an addict's brain. Yeah. And then he goes down the healthy route. He's against medication unless it's absolutely a necessity, like yeah. schizophrenia, for example. There's no other way except for medication, for example. Um, but other than that, he's all about healthy paths get you on a uh, on a on a healthy nutrition plan healthy supplementation exercise reading just daily habits that help you get better and that naturally starts to help repair your brain yeah um and he's got thousands of stories of people that he's helped out in the mental health field so and and i have a passion towards towards that as well but no i I love that i just i watched a show the other day i'd never seen it it's called 60 days in have you seen this show no, but I've heard of it. So people go, uh, people from all walks of life end up, they go into prison and they basically experience the truth, like what really goes on in prison. And I found it fascinating that there's a woman who works with at-risk children. And, you know, she came from a really, you know, privileged background and she had no idea, like when these kids were talking to her, she couldn't necessarily relate as much as she wanted to. Right. She had never been there. She'd never seen the inside of a jail cell. She had never been patted down till just, you know, strip and squat and cough and all these other things that go on. That alone causes a different type of trauma. I mean, it's just inhuman. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. Yeah, they have to. They have to, but just... It's dehumanizing. Yeah, dehumanizing. And so she decided that she wanted to go in and experience this. And man, I mean, she she was asked to, you know... I'm sure that fucked her up. (laughs) She was a mess. I mean, she was a hot mess. And most people don't last, right? Because they think, I don't know what they think they're getting themselves into, but I don't think they truly think it through. But she, um, yeah, she was a really a, a crazy mess. And she just was talking about how even there was a police officer who went in to lockdown, who obviously no one can know her identity because people in there hate cops. Right. And there was at one point where... Not to get graphic, but, you know, this woman who was, you know, watching over the the women's prison, the the cell, um, she was just so she treated them like animals. So why do why did they expect them to act like anything but animals? Because that's how they were being treated. But she needed her clothes washed. She only had one set of clothes. So the woman took her clothes and then purposely didn't bring them back. So she's naked and then she gets her menstrual cycle. Oh, it's like, what is she Right. What is she supposed to do? And this is a cop that goes to jail. And she just said she wanted out so badly. But she said, I'm staying in because I'm the one person that can get this woman fired because she's not helping anyone. There's no reform that's going to take place when people are just so pissed off that this woman is treating them like an animal. Yeah, it's crazy. So I get it. I get needing to to relate to be able to really understand how to help treat someone. You, you, you have to, um, because otherwise, you, number one, there's going to be um, bias information and bias advice given out. Yeah. Um, and it's also, again, like if you can't, uh, there's a reason why most people don't like to sit with therapists. And I'm not trying to knock them. They do serve their purpose and they, yeah. have, and they do great things for what they're great at. But um, when you've been through some sort of like heavy trauma and just because someone's read the book and got their doctorate degree or their master's doesn't mean that they're a good fit. Yeah. You know, it's like no different than, um, I got a friend of mine, you know, he talks to me a lot about, uh, certain things that he needs help with and his, him and his relationship, they're kind of going through some 
problems. And, um, you know, they're like, I think we're going to go to counseling. And I said, okay, great. I was like, have you decided who, where, what you're going to do? He's like, I'm doing some homework. And I'm like, well, listen, I'm like, when you sit with your therapist, I'm like, you need to interview her first. I'm like, what do you mean? And I was like, interview her. Put her on the questions, whether it's a male or female. Ask them all the right questions. Ask them if they're married, how many, how, if they've been divorced, how long they've been married. Do they have kids? I'm like, right. you don't want someone that's single or someone that's got a divorce and isn't remarried under their belt telling you how to fix your relationship. Right. That's right. insane. Yeah. And I'm like, and if anything, I was like, go talk to a pastor that's married. You yeah. might have better success there. But again, if you're going to go to therapy, interview your therapist first and make sure that they are truly qualified by life experiences, not by educational experiences right. to help you and your girlfriend stay together. Yeah. It's like, I've never thought about that before. He's like, you can do that. And I'm like, hundred percent. You can't. I'm like, you're going to help something with your personal life. Yeah. You want the right person. I was like, just like you and I are co just like me coaching you right now. You want the right person helping you out. Not person that, that because they did some homework, bring some education to the table and there's, there's no experience behind to back but it's it up. so skewed right it's so skewed because i think people feel like because you have this degree or that degree or that you know it's like oh will you please see me as a patient you know what i mean like it's not like do you do you have the qualifications to treat me when it comes to anything it's like you know even in my line of work you know i'm i'm a broker and i sell houses and and you know i said to my broker of record i had a client that was treating me really badly and I, I was a client was treating you badly. Yeah. Yeah. A seller was treating me really badly. And I said, look, I, I don't really know what to do in this situation. I mean, I, I don't want to tell them to go fuck themselves. I really <laughs> do. You can't necessarily do that. You're well, you working can, you with, can. but, but he finally said, look, you're, we're in a job where we're so used to wanting, we, we want people to hire us that the, the, even the thought of firing your client is like not even within your realm in your brain. He's like, fire them walk away and it was just the best advice because it gave me um what i needed to be able to say to them in a very professional way i deserve to be treated better than this um you hired your your you know you went to harvard you went to yale you're clearly very smart people out of all the people you met you chose me for a reason let me do my let job. me do my freaking job that's it let me do my job yeah you know what's funny is when i <laughs> I think it was like a few years ago, I, I told someone that, I was like, you gotta fire your fucking clients sometimes because yes. they're just either disrespectful, ungrateful, and they're, or they're just fucking takers and that's it. Um, and uh, when I told that to someone, they're like, what? You fire clients? And I was like, absolutely. If I have to, I will. Or I'll let a client fall off and I won't even talk to them about, about coming back or staying with me afterwards once their time has run out. Yeah. Um, because um, I don't... People think that there's bad customer service well there's also really shitty customers too right. and you can't remove that from from the playing field like to, to think that like shitty customers doesn't exist or that you have to keep a bad customer is probably one of the most asinine things i've ever heard because at the same time like you have to think about your own well-being your own mental health is money really worth the drama the chaos and the weight and someone's bullshit right. to continue on because you know what the money's there if you're great at what you do and you love what you do and you're doing it for um, for a good purpose with the right intentions, it's going to come. Yeah. Why hold on to someone that's, that's causing, um, all this negative energy because yeah. they want to make it just about them and they're so self-centered that it's like, oh, I can't fucking hold on to that. You know, people I think are so focused on the almighty dollar. They're so focused on the flex, right? The social media <laughs> flex and all that shit that's going on. And it's like, 
people don't start from a place like when I start my morning, I have to find that gratitude. I have to. And I want I meditate to a place where I'm in darkness and I'm walking and all I want to do is radiate love. That's what I want to do. And I want to hold on to that the rest of my day. I even think about this morning, you know, it's as stupid as it sounds. I called just to get some breakfast and you can tell the woman's just had, you know, it's six in the morning, but she's just already had just the worst day or she's having the worst life. And why? Well, and I'm like, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you picking up the phone. Thank you so much for taking my, just like everything. By the end of it, she was like, you know what? I, I really hope you have an amazing day. I really do. She's like, because you've changed mine. Just nice. I just was nice. That's Be kind. It. I was kind because I was like, no, I'm coming from a place of love no matter what happens. And then for me, it's like, you know, it's like not about money, but money still comes to me. Money comes to me. People come to me. Clients come to me, not because I'm necessarily seeking them out. It's just what I'm putting out there, the energy that I put out. It's, it's just magnetic. A, it's magnetic. And it's people. Like, there's something about you when you walk into a room like, because I'm, I, I was so, I just, I was such a low point. I was suicidal just like you. It was like, I just, I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm so worthless. I'm well, so broken. Like, I'm like, I don't even deserve to be on, on this you, planet. You know, you know, what's funny that you said that is because, um, I truly, so I truly believe in, um, yin and yang, dark versus light, war, peace. I believe in all that. Um, and I believe people like you and I that come from a really, really dark yeah. childhood um, really only understand what true peace and light is like. And so, like, as you said it, like, my mornings, like I said, the way my morning starts, I actually tap into my darkness. Yeah. I want to go into the dark place. I want to go battle Sean's evil side, who I was you know, 15 years ago for the first 20 years of my life. I want to go there and I want to fight that person. And I want to battle that person because I get to learn and grow from that person. Because I've always told people, your past and your dark side dark side, and your darkness is your mentor. If there's any mentor you're going to pick, first pick that. Yeah. Then seek advice. So that when I tap into the darkness and then when my day starts, the rest of my day is light and bright because I was just in the darkness that morning of. Yeah. And the same thing when I go to sleep. I get to sleep and put my head down and I'm at total peace because that last hour, I go in that place of darkness. I remember where I used to be. I remember where I'm at now. Count my blessings. Yeah. And I get to rest my head at peace. And like my four hours of sleep is like total REM sleep. I'm knocked out cold. Yeah. So when I wake up, people always ask me like, how are you not stressed? Like how is your body not falling apart and you're still in shape when you only sleep? I was like, well, because... I don't go through my day like stressing about shit that your day-to-day -day stuff that's not so relevant. Right. Um, and because I literally tap my mind out to the max from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. It is so tapped out that I can't even think before I sleep anymore. It's gone. Yeah. So I go to this deep, deep room sleep. But um, like I said, I, I believe people, if they truly understood how to go into that place, yeah. um, they will solve so many of their personal issues today and for tomorrow, if they're willing to also, it's a scary place, yes. you know that. Like if, yeah. you, if you sat there and you went back to that time and you tried to relive all the moments that your father put you through and yeah. put you in the hospital and beating you up, it's a scary place to go to. to well, my brain through. has shut down most of it. I don't remember, I would say 90% of my childhood I don't remember because my brain has protected me from it. So I have gone through timeline therapy. There's certain things I've gone through where I jump back into it and yeah, I, I feel like I can't even breathe. That's yeah. how bad it is. But it's but it's evolving also. Yeah. Um, it's evolutionary. So like and so when I work with people that come to me for 
mental health recovery, um, that's the first thing I want to do with them. I want to sit down with them and I'm taking them as far back as we have to and I will make them anxious, shake, cry, tears. I'm like, let's talk about it. Live it. Bring it to life and take me there. Yeah. Take me into your reality of where it was so that we can actually work through it because most people, they go around it, they block mm -hmm. it off, it goes away, but then there's random moments in life at this point or in the future where there'll be certain circumstances or situations that will trigger and bring it back to life. It's but still it there. But here's the thing, it comes back tenfold yeah. because you chose to ignore it. And you know, conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. So if you're ignoring shit for how much time goes by, yeah. when it actually does come back, yeah. how are you gonna handle it when it's amplified times a thousand? Plus for me, I don't know, look, you know, you seem like you're a really fit person. You know, you understand how important it is to what you put in your body and how you treat your body, your vessel. But for me, like, I feel like it, we're all, we all could be prone to disease, right? Sure. It doesn't mean we, it has to happen. But I think like when you don't handle your shit, it's going to settle somewhere in your body. And for me, like that is going to turn into disease, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. I had a, you know, I had a friend um, have, we just haven't spoken in a while. He, there was a moment, this is a couple years ago, this is all before the pandemic stuff. There was a moment where he got so sick and he was sick for like a month and he's like, dude, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Oh my gosh. And then um, I went, like after some deep thought, I started to like meditate around it. And I came to him and I was like, dude, I was like, I know this is gonna sound crazy to you and you might not believe this, but I 100% believe it's true. I was like, I need you to understand like the amount of negativity that you carry yourself and these toxic thoughts that you have every single day. I was like, I need you to understand and comprehend that what you're doing to yourself every single day is why you've been sick the last month. For the last year I've known you, it's hard to struggle to break this negative cycle you're in yeah. and turn it into fuel or into positivity and not superficial positivity, like real positivity um, where it applies to certain things. And I'm like, now you're sick and you've been sick for a month and we can't even figure out how the fuck to get you better. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I solely believe that if you can start getting yourself back on better patterns, yeah. better way of thinking, a better quality of life, this will eventually go away. But I was like, I think you've poisoned yourself over the time. But yeah, now it starts you're just here. Sick. Oh, yeah. It starts in your head. Because your mind will start believing it. That's right. You know? Um, so wait, so tell me. So when you were that 20-year-old kid, you know, becoming a man, what changed? What made, what took your path from where you were? What, did you read a book? Did something happen? Was I, it? I, I, I was, I got suicidal. I got, yeah. I attempted suicide. So like, so, you know, first 12 years of my life, I was abused by my family. And then from 12 to 20, I was heavy into drugs. Okay. Um, and then at, right before I turned 21, I came out of a relationship while on drugs. The relationship fucked me up pretty bad. Um, it was very emotionally abusive. Um, one time, it was physically abusive on her end. Not that that mattered, but it was just a, a compiling yeah. of everything. And then I just I, uh, attempted to take my life, and then I was about to jump off my second story uh, bedroom. And then like I just had this spiritual awakening where I was ready to go because I was like, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. sick and tired of being sick and tired. I fucking hate this life. I hate everybody around me. I hate yeah. the people. I hate my family. Like, what's the point? And um, not to get too crazy spiritual, but... I truly believe God and Spirit spoke to me and said, like, dude, your time's not come yet. Yeah. It's not your time. Give yourself a chance. You owe yourself a chance at making something of your life before you before you decide to just take it. Yeah. Give yourself that. No one else has. Why not give it to yourself? 
And this conversation literally started to take place in my head. And I'm like, what the fuck is, how is this, how is this thought of existing right now when I'm about to jump out? Yeah. And um, so I, and, and no one told me at this point. So I, I, I go back in and I really start to reflect and I start writing pages of just every fucking nasty, fucked up emotion, everything I've been through. And there's like a notebook that's like 50 pages of every single thing I experienced the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, okay. I was like, I'm going to give myself a chance. And, um, you know, they say never make a deal with the devil. Well, I made a deal with the devil. And uh, I swore to myself because I knew I already knew about stories of people who relapse all the time, whether it's alcohol or drugs. Like they try to get clean three, six, 12 months later, they're relapsing and they go they go further back into the hole. And so because I was well aware of that, I was like, how do I keep myself from relapsing? Because I was so deep in. Um, I mean, I was doing shit that even my personal friends didn't know because I had different groups of friends between different drugs and whatever I wanted to use. So I was bouncing all over the place and partying, raves and all that. And I told myself, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to make the deal with the devil. If I relapse, I'm taking my life. I'm going to put the gun in my mouth and I'm going to pull the fucking trigger and I'm not even going to compromise on that. And I let that sit in my brain the whole time, especially the first year because of the withdrawals and the stress and the depression and just trying to battle it all, um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, if I, if I fail myself, I have no reason to live. So let's go for it. And I went for it. And then at that point, like every time that I wanted to go back, I reminded myself like, nope, if I go back, if I call that person, I'm taking my life. Yeah. And, I, and I held that, I, I swore to, because I've always been big on personal oaths to yeah. myself and promising myself that I swore to myself, this is gonna be the way I changed my life. And um, I, since then, I never relapsed. I never had anything. And you know, people sometimes try to tell me like, oh, you've never been an addict then. And I was like, no, I was just willing to die right. if I didn't get clean. Um, and from that point forward, the first thing I did was like, look, the last 10 years of my life have just been unhealthy, shitty lifestyle, drugs. I don't even know what the hell inside looks like. Yeah. Let me do the exact opposite at least and just start getting healthy. Dropped out of school. I was gonna go into law school. Um, and I needed to get mentally healthy and physically healthy internally and externally. So got heavy into working out, exercise, started to study nutrition just to get better. Yeah. Um, and started to study a little bit more on the brain. And at that time there wasn't as much as there is now. Yeah. Um, but I just knew there's some things that I could do. And then, um, you know, from that point forward, I, um, I got super healthy and I became heavily obsessed with being healthy. So I've had the slogan for people that I work with in the, in the mental health side, um, change, your, change your addictions to healthy obsessions. Okay. And I just became obsessed with being healthy and I've never looked back since. So it's just been a part of my life. So now you help people physically, mentally? The, what? All around. So basically there's, there's, a, there's a health and wellness side to it. There's the mental health side to it. If we, if someone is really looking for help and they're like, I don't want to go to therapist. I don't want to go. I don't. I don't want to get fucked up by the system. Like I just need help. I need to get out of this. Um, and then I also do business and peak performance mindset, um, where I, I've always had this belief: people that come from traumatizing backgrounds or drugs or whatnot, we have a higher ability to become high level performers. Yes. Um, because if we have structure, routine, uh, we it becomes our religion. You know, kind of like yours was, yeah. I'm going to fucking make it no matter what at this point. That's so interesting to me because I've never thought of it like that. I I am so structured in everything. My husband is a fly by the seat of his pants kind of a guy. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, I, it, it, 
it may, it stresses me out so much. I plan out everything. Like even if I'm getting ready to go, I mean, my suitcase will be packed. And he's like, that's obnoxious. He's like, I'm still packed from the last one. You know what I mean? Oh, I had. I'm just like, I'm just that. I need that. And I never thought of it like that, that that's probably just, that's how I feel safe, right? You feel safe. It's organized, um, you know, and it's, and it's routine by sticking to your own personal routine. Here's the thing at the same time, like it's a promise you made to yourself. And what's, what's the number one confidence breaker, breaking a promise to yourself? To yourself, yeah. That's the first thing that ultimately, you, you, start, to, you start breaking promises to yourself your confidence is going to hit rock bottom real quickly. Yeah. And we, we, we both know many people that make these commitments to themselves. And the moment they start to break it, even by the smallest hair, their confidence starts to diminish very quickly. And yeah. then it starts to turn into this domino effect where they start breaking one promise after another. And now, now you're looking at a person that has zero confidence. Um, you know, so that's one thing I try to instill in all my clients, no matter what field they come to me for. Yeah. Um, so I do that. Um, I can't, we're about to reveal this finally after some SEC um, background stuff that we've okay. been doing, but I just became president of a uh, consulting company that's already publicly traded on the stock exchange. And um, I also, me and my business partner, we we take over uh, distressed businesses, come to us, okay. help for advice. We, we roll in our uh, business models and then we'll you know, dissect it, pick it apart, figure out like, is it the, is it the actual business model that's, that's messed up or is it the leadership that's messed up? And so one of, it goes one of two ways, either we'll buy them out and then we will sell it or we will reteach and reeducate them and help them structure with a new way of business. It's amazing. You need your own show. It's like restaurant rescue. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different. And then we're about to, um, we're, we're about to, um, go into the, uh, marijuana industry as well. Okay. Um, so a lot of a lot of things have been happening in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, just because this last few years I went all out. Yeah. I was like, I'm going on this because the schedule that I run, I started about three years ago, and I was like, all right, I'm going all in on my life. Yeah. I'm going all in, and I want to. I'm going to become a peak performer, and I'm going to build my life to whatever degree I want in the next five years, right. um, where it would take most people 15, 20, if never at all. Right. Um, and I have all the right people in the right places, where it's not me trying to take on, you know. Right. You're not, delegating. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Right. Um, I just have all the right people in the right places. Yeah. And you know, that's where. But that's what smart business people do, right? They surround themselves with people that are the top in that particular field that um, you can't, like I, you can try to be amazing at a lot of things. You can't be perfect at everything. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, so, so a smart person surrounds themselves with people. Yeah. So that, I know what, I know what I'm good at right. and I know who's good at what I'm not. Right. And I just put them into those places yeah. and that's it. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. It's, I feel like we have, we were in the same household in a <laughs> lot of ways. I don't have a relationship with my sister either. Older, um, younger? She's older. Okay. Older. Why not? You know, she, um, growing up, we don't look alike. I always thought I was adopted because those people were just so different. I, I don't know. I, I, they didn't know how to manage their money. I mean, I was trying to help them literally at 12 years old. You're referring to your parents? My parents. You those people. Okay. Those people. Yeah. They're, um, we're just night and day different when it comes to everything. Is there no relationship with your mom either? No. Okay. No. And, um, the relationship with my mom, I think is just, 
I don't understand why she didn't protect me. That's what mothers do. They protect their children, right? That's just, for me, I, 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 there is nothing that would stop me. I would take on anyone. I don't care if there's someone coming my, at me with My an sister actually blames my mom for that too. Okay. Um, I'm not saying you're blaming her. No, but my, yeah. But my, my sister like hard pours into my mom about, you fucked up as a mom. You didn't protect us from dad. Why didn't you just get away? Yeah. And again, it's like, my sister had become, <laughs> she become so um, used to the Americanized culture that she thought that it was like, it's just an easy thing to do. And it's not like, my parents were still hardcore Middle Eastern. Like you don't just bounce and take off. You don't just divorce. You don't just walk away yeah. because husband's a piece of shit. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, if anything, like the wife revered trying to get away from the husband. And if this was back in the Middle East, it wasn't even allowed. Oh, right. You know, so um, they still live that way. And, you know, after it got like really bad, um, I mean, they finally divorced. Um, so that fight that my dad and I had, that was after their divorce. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my sister blamed my mom for the, the whole time too. And it's just one of those things where um, I think times now and what we have access to where women can learn, become stronger, become right. more empowered is different than it was back then. Back then it was um, the wife submits to the husband. Yeah. You know, and they don't know anything different because that's what, that's what culture and society always preached. Is, yeah. Is husband, father, is the bread, bre the breadwinner, is the protector, is the man. Wears the pants, makes yeah, the decisions. Makes all the decisions. No right. one talks to him. No one speaks up to him. No right. one no one says anything. And I think that's just where, you know, like moms in our situation are kind of like, I don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. No, I know she had said to me, um, well, because my, mom, my mom's situation was different because my mom went and had an affair. So it's like you, oh. yeah, so you were able to pack up. And you were able to go have an affair, but yet you weren't able to pack up and take us with you. I mean, that was the hard thing to swallow. And then I was like, okay, fine, fine. Everything happened in his ways. For me, and, and this is the thing, I'm such a vigilante now in my life. <laughs> I'm a freaking vigilante with everything. I want to hold people accountable. That's it. Okay. Just say, I fucked up. I'm sorry. And then we can move on. I don't hold grudges. Like I had cancer twice. Like I don't hold on to anything. It's just, just take responsibility. And so my mom could never, my mom said, I know you have no respect for me. And I said, you're right. And she's like, I know I'm, I'll never be as strong as you are. And it's like, but that's a choice. That's a decision. You made a decision not to be strong. Right. And, and we were affected by that and that's okay. But just say, and then she'll say, why do you need to bring this up? Why are you trying to hurt your because father? You still haven't brought, you still haven't taken accountability. But it's just like, why am I trying to hurt my father? Are you, are you joking right now? You know, it's for me, that was a conversation. We just kept having these conversations. Like I'm not trying to hurt my father. I need you guys to say for my mental health. She's like, well, you're just in California and they've poisoned your mind. I'm like, no, no, they haven't poisoned my mind. I'm trying to be healthy so I can be the best daughter. So I can kind of work through this with you guys. And this be a better like, mom myself. Right. This is, and I said, even everyone knows this about me. I did not want to be a mother. I was so scared. I was so scared. I was going to fuck that up. I, I understand that feeling too. That was, um, that was originally one of my sister's reasons of not wanting to be a mom. She's just yeah. like, I just don't want to bring kids into this world that I might fuck up with. Yep. Um, I knew, so right now having children is not in the cards for me, yeah. um, of my life because it's, it's, it's go as hard as I can right now and there's just no time for it. Yeah. Um, so it's not a matter of whether, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? Am I with the right person? And it's, it's not even about the, like 
children is not in the cards for me to have. So yeah. I don't even think about it. Um, but from when I was a young age, this is crazy. So from the age of four, the moment like my father started to beat the shit out of me, and as things started to evolve and how as the abuse evolved and got worse, I already knew, which as a kid is kind of sometimes, you know, sometimes you impress yourself. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, at a very young age, I was already aware enough to know what to pay attention to that was right by my parents as individuals and what was wrong. Yeah. And I had, a, I was already telling myself like, I'm going to have children when I'm older. It's like four or five years old thinking this. I'm going to have children when I'm older and I'm going to be the best fucking father that exists on this planet. And if anyone ever touches my children, they're fucking dead. Yeah. Like I will never do what my parents are doing to me. I will never do what my sister does. I will never be anything of what these people are. And this is me at like four or five years old but having that's these empath, conversations. Because with, the empathic, you're probably an empath. I mean, you start to understand what you need to do and you can read a room. I caught, I caught on very quickly. Yeah. And a lot of people, like I, I believe, and a lot of people have said this, like I've, this for sure isn't my first time around in this world. And I'm old soul. A very, very old soul. Yeah. Um, and I was just, very aware and so it just got to a point where like i started to pay attention to everything around me yeah. my awareness my intuition um i became very high alert very quickly um and that it's funny i adopted my high alertness mm -hmm. from being on drugs wow um, yeah because like for some reason like i was actually able to tap into all my senses while using and i think it was because of the abuse that i was going through and yeah. my my Drugs was my escape to reality, but at the same time, more to tap into reality and understand myself a little bit more. Um, it's yeah, that's I could, amazing because it's an escapism, right? For most people, and right? For, you, for me, it was just... like let me escape, but not to escape to get away, but to escape from what's happening, so I can understand more. Right? Um, if that makes sense. It's amazing. I'm gonna write a book on this one day, but no, you should. Um, I mean, absolutely. I, and it's funny because people say like old soul. Cause I feel there's things I know and I don't understand how I know them, and I've been like that since I was a kid. But then I always think like, why did? You, well, you're stupid. Why did you put yourself in that family? You know what I mean? Like, what? What is it that I'm not getting? Yeah. What did I not learn the last time around? You know what I mean? Why am I still, am I repeating this that I have to kind of go through this? But I have to tell you, just knowing your story, you would make an amazing father because um, I'm the best mother I know. And not because I let my kids get away with anything. It's just every single day I empower my children with, with the knowledge that they can do anything they right. want. You can be anything. You can do anything. You're the most special. You are here for a reason. Um, they um, Both of them, I daughter's heart stopped during uh, childbirth. I mean, they were never supposed to be here. I was given, after my cancer, I was given about 3% chance of having kids and still beat the odds, you know? And they... I think that's so important. I, you know, even to this day, parents still don't do that, which fucking blows my mind that you don't pour this championship, mentali championship yes. mentality into your children to not tell them that they're going to be awesome, that yes. they're great, that they're going to be strong and powerful individuals. I put notes in their people. lunchbox. I was like, don't ever forget just how amazing you are. Don't forget how powerful you are. It's like everything that I didn't get, I've given to them tenfold, you know, just every day. And now I've got almost teenagers that they're the coolest little human beings. People say, I don't know who's raising, these are the most well-behaved, I've never laid a hand on my children, I would never, I don't need to raise my voice, I just look at my kids, and my kids are like, okay, sorry mom. You know what's funny, <laughs> it's, it, I think it has to do with the fact of how you pour belief into them, yes. and that nat, pouring belief into your children naturally will discipline them, 
by default because yeah. they're because as they start to believe in the things that you're telling them, they're like, okay, well, this requires a certain type of behavior, and they'll understand that. So they stay more disciplined, they behave well, and you know, like I know you probably know people too, but I know I know parents that pretend like they pour all this belief right. into their children, but really it's more for themselves. Yeah. Um, and they want to tell the world, I'm such a fucking awesome parent and right. I'm so good at being a parent and I'm all about my children. But all the, every other behavior that you see is like all about them. It's right. not about their children. Um, and they try to, they create this self, this, this uh, false level of self-empowerment. Yeah. Um, and that's just a, a recipe for disaster yeah. waiting to happen like yeah. a spiral down a black hole to never come back from yeah it's it's amazing i know i read that i think most kids get about seven minutes of undivided attention each day from their parents which is unacceptable yeah. and you wonder why kids, 24 hours in a day right and you I mean, give seven shit, minutes sleep less if you if like look if you if I, I don't think you do this but do you feel like you need eight hours of sleep please tell me no i mean it depends like for me, sleep has always been so regenerative for me sure. and it's a way for me, it's an escapism more than anything, but no, I don't need it. I mean, if I can get a quality six hours, okay. I'm good. So that, that's, my, that's my question because, you know, I come across parents and they say like, I have to have my eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, no, you don't like take two hours out and spend that with your children. Right. If you have to, yeah. if, if it's, if it's business reasons, Sleep a little less, put more into your side projects so you can get out of your job. If it's because of health and exercise, sacrifice a couple hours of sleep and get better and get healthier. Yeah. Um, develop new habits, restructure, um, habitual reconstruction. Um, you know, but if your children are not getting the quality of time where you're actually pouring belief and empowerment into them, yeah. then give up your shitty sleep right. and give it to the kids because... Yeah. You don't want your kid. Listen, we're in a fucked up world right now. It's even more fucked up than it was before. Yep. And you're either going to, you know, I, um, I don't know if you've heard this brand, Lions Not Sheep. Yes. But I, I will live by their code forever. Um, and I'm obsessed with their whole slogan and their mission. Um, and because of what's happening to our world right now, uh, it's more important now than ever to make sure you raise your children to become strong, powerful individuals. Leaders. And to not become followers. Yeah. Uh, because the thing is that society and all the people around us are trying to turn and breed our children to following the narrative. Right. Um, you know, and uh, we, had, um, we had a podcast last week with... Uh, Byron Rogers. I don't know if you watched it yet or not. No, huh? It's really good. You should watch it. But we were just talking about how, um, you know, because Byron and my friend and my partner Daverick, they're, they're from the military. So we were talking a little bit about some war and whatnot. But then we got into talk about your everyday, day-to-day -day war. Every single day is a fucking war zone. You're walking, the moment you step out of your house yes. and the moment you turn on the TV, it's war. Yes. You're, you're, our, our minds are being filled with bullshit. People are filling our minds with bullshit. People don't want you to be strong. Right. Um, your own friends don't want to see you win. Oh my gosh. Ab 120%. They do not. You, they pretend they do. They do. Um, I just made a post the other day that your friends, your friends don't want to see you win. They just pretend to them because they're surprised to see you doing more than they're, than they're capable of. Yeah. Um, Cause you know who's truly cheering you on and who's not. Yeah. And if you actually pay very, very close attention, you realize like, wait a minute, this person's supposed to be my best friend, but they've never cheered on or greeted me with some kind of a celebration when I've done this, 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 or this. Right. Um, 
And it's, I know I talked about it at my last podcast. I talk about like, if you have anything that you're trying to achieve, let's say that you have a new CBD company, the people that are going to buy that product are not going to be your, your good friends. They are going to be total strangers. Yeah. Those are the people that have your backs. Yeah. Which is, it's just crazy. So yeah, I mean, my, my kids, I ripped them out of public school. I just, uh, you know, I, I needed them to, I talk about all the time, I teach critical thinking. Critical thinking and logic so is one of the top subjects so that important. we work on because to look and go through the propaganda and the red herring, all the things that are happening. My kids are not on social media. I can't keep it from them forever, but I need them to understand that the shit's not real. It's not real people. I love people that show like before and after. I mean, today I couldn't even put on any eye makeup because I was just <laughs> like, I don't know, cigarettes, I was so tired. I was like, it's not real. I know Photoshop like the back of my hand. Trust me. It's like if I'm, you know, not eating well, my skin, whatever. Hell yeah, I'm going to use a blurring filter. I'm no different than anyone else. But I wanted them to see with Photoshop how I could take someone's waist in, right? How I could do these different things. They were just like, people do that? I'm like, they do. This is You're not living in a life that's reality. Isn't it wild? Because for me, the, the, the idea of me not showing my authentic self, whether it's a filter or just bullshit talk, yeah. makes me want to crawl out of my skin because the, the, the burden and the weight that you have to carry when you go to fucking bed because you just lied to the fucking world of your right. followers that this is not you, Yep. that is so much, like, man, that is so much weight yeah. to go to sleep. Like, how do you sleep at night? Yeah. How do you wake up in the morning? Like, how the fuck do you want to walk through the day knowing that you're lying to every single person that's watching you because you want to put on a show because you want people to fucking like you. Because you have low self-esteem, because you never worked on yourself. You're putting more energy into what other people think of you than what you truly feel about and then there's yourself. People that, and, then, you said, and then there's people that pretend to work on themselves. That's my favorite yes, one of all. They, right. they pretend they work on themselves. They pretend they read books. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, like, and from people that you can see from far, like, well, none of your actions actually show anything of personal development. You right. say you do this. You say you do that. And yeah, it might look like you've opened a book and you might yeah. take a picture. But are you really? Probably not. Um, and you can tell the difference just by their language, how they speak, their behavior. Sometimes they're trying to mimic and copy other people's personalities and what yeah. they say. Um, and then they start to talk about um, tapping into my, you know, my, my potential. But really, it's like, well, um, you're not. You're yeah. just, you're, just you're, you're pretending because you want the world to think you're this awesome human being. You're a fraud. Um, but you're a fraud because the reality is that when shit gets tough, we've seen you break before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, that false, that falsehood, that false narrative people tell, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to last. And I, 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 just, I just hope that somehow, you know, this new generation can somehow break out of it and understand that authenticity wins every single time. Because there's only one of you. That's it, right? There's one of you. And, and if you can't find a way to love that person, um, it doesn't matter what comes, your red bottom shoes, your car, whatever it is, those things are so fleeting. Um, the attention that you get so fleeting. It's like that self-love, it has to start with you. And here's the, I don't want to love myself if it means I'm loving myself because I'm mimicking someone else. Yeah. That would make me feel like a low life piece of shit. Um, because I mean, it, remove the equation of authenticity and, and being truthful to the world. Um, I don't know how I could live with myself knowing and believing that 
I'm my only love for myself is because I can replicate who you are. Right. Because um, now it's like, well, no, now I'm trying to live like Amy Weber, and that's just it doesn't flow for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll, I'm also aware enough to know that, like, well, how much personal growth and development are you really going to have if you're trying to live in someone else's shoes? Right. Um, now, there's a difference. I understand that if someone else has a similar personality and a similar background and I can learn from this person sure. to bring out the best me. Okay, great. Yeah. But don't replicate right. that person. Don't try to become that person. Right. I understand if that person has certain traits that you have and there's just at a higher level. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Different story. Be inspired by that. Yeah. But you don't need to uh, fake it. Yeah. No. And that's a, uh, that's obviously probably the most common thing. Yeah. And, um, I try to, I try to tell people that come to me when it's when we're trying to um, help them out in whatever department that they need help with is is be very careful not to get sucked up sucked in and caught up into um, other people's false realities. Yeah. Um, social media, um, even in the in, even in the world of fitness, I say oh this all even, I say this all the time, yeah. and I get some heat for it sometimes, and I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, you get caught up in the world of fitness, you're fucked. Yeah. You're 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 gone. Well, gosh, you're what? You're only as good as your last title, your last whatever it is. Not I just mean, that, but like... be, but the thing is, like the world of fitness, if it's not truly used for the purpose of growth and development, and actually trying to like develop yourself, instead of just aesthetically pleasing to get attention. Yeah, you become you become the ultimate narcissist. Oh, yeah. um, and that's that's the scariest part. So, like when people come to me for for even the health and wellness side. I try to tell them, like, like, listen, be ready. As you start to get in shape, as you start to get looking really good, don't, don't get caught up in looking awesome. Don't yeah. get caught up in, in comparing yourself to how good this person looks and how good you look because you're going to get caught up in looking at the mirror all the time, picking yourself apart. You're not going to live a quality life. And then you're going to become this total fucking narcissist. Yeah. And then when you want to go on a vacation and just have a good time, and eat whatever you want, you're not going to be able to because you're going to start picking yourself apart, feeling like, oh my God, I feel like a piece of shit. I'm fat again, whatever. And it's like, dude, you just, just go enjoy life. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I think anytime anyone puts their self-worth on something that's outside of what's in their heart, it's a recipe for success. So whether that's, you know, my last movie, my last job, how good I look, you know, do I, can I still see my, you know, six pack, whatever it is. I mean, because those things can change, right? Well, you said it. I mean, you just said it. So, if your self-worth is based on things that can be taken away from you, yeah. you're dead, man. Yeah. You're, 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 you're just a walking dead man. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's the scariest part about humans. Yeah. Um, and humans are, you know, very interesting. We're comp we are complicated species. That's we are. For sure. Well, I think we overcomplicate things. We do. You know, and um, for me, I just... I just want to live, I just, here's my thing. For me, it's, I live today and I do everything that I do today in between like my morning and evening rituals and my, and my daily routine with the sole focus of how do I provide, um, I mean, Byron and I were talking about this in the last one, is, is everything I do today is yeah. to provide better value tomorrow. Right. Because it improves me and by improving myself more, I can provide more value to you, for example. Yes. Um, and if that's not your sole focus... Um, you're only going to go so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Listen, 
It has been an amazing time speaking oh, shit, to you. Time. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, I mean, we could go on forever, <laughs> but I'm sure you have other things that you need to do. But I just, I really appreciate you really bearing your soul. It's not easy to talk about. I mean, when I decided to do the podcast and kind of tell my story for the first time, no one knew. No one knew, you know, like they look at you as big, strong, handsome guy. It's like, you know, there's no way that, you know, you were a kid that was. No one ever believed me. So I tell them I come from a history of drugs and abuse. They're like, no, you've no, yep. no way. And I was like, dude. It's the exact opposite of what you see right Same now. Same with me. I'm like, look, I, I didn't get hugged as a kid. I was left in rooms by myself. My diaper didn't get changed. I mean, <laughs> there was something, right? And they're just like, no, come on. You know what I mean? It's like a movie. I'm like, no, that was my life. Yeah. Um, but I'm here now. Right. And that's what matters. And, you know, I, I it was tough, but now it's like we're here for a reason. We're, we're spared for a reason. And, and I think for me, the reason is, and I'm sure this resonates with you, to help others now yeah that's really become my 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 focus and my mission in life is to i mean my 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 mission is to help the to help improve the quality of your life like that's that's all my focus is yeah um but that also means introducing you to reality too so if that means i gotta fuck you up a little bit emotionally and internally um i'm going to because i want to I don't, like I said, I don't believe in superficial positivity. It's that's super toxic. Yeah. Um, I believe in facts and reality. Fuck feelings. If feelings get in the way, it, it you start to ignore what's what's real. Right. Um, and that's no matter what somebody comes to me for, that is part of the system that they're signing up into. Yeah. Is is facing your fears and reality and your past, um, and then whatever you're actually coming for, then we dive into that. Nice. All right, guys. Everyone out there. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an amazing, very deep show, and I'm so happy that I was able to to have him on and and share everything that he's been through. So, until next time, you guys, listen, keep your heads up. Um, you're better than you know. You have more in you than you know. So just find that why, find that passion, take a deep breath, and uh, go live an authentic life. So, Absolutely. Till next time. Well said. We'll see you later. See you guys. Oh.